It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, so we're here talking to some awesome people and today we've got two that are right up our alley. So, um, Talent Talk, in case this is the first time you happen to be tuning in, well, welcome. If you haven't been around for a while, welcome back. But really, the way that this show works is um, we bring in some awesome people who think about talent and culture and engagement, and we have an awesome conversation with them and try to pick their brains on what's important to them, what they're thinking about, what's on their minds, and maybe some of the things they're seeing in the industry and, and best practices. So and these are all just uh, kind of a really important things we should be thinking about, and hopefully our conversations today will help you in your own career uh, moving forward. So you know, I've had the privilege of, of meeting so many of these uh, fascinating people that this is really how the show was derived in that instead of me pulling them aside at a conference and asking them 100 questions, we thought we'd put it on the air and let me ask the questions there and let everyone else hear in on all of that. In fact, we've heard so many great stories. I had the privilege of turning uh, them into a book recently. The Power of Company Culture is now a bestseller. Uh, you can grab it on Amazon or KoganPage.com. And so many of the great stories that we've gotten from the show are really in there as a part of that narrative. So love to have you check that out. Um, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can also get us post if you get us on uh, iHeartRadio or iTunes. Last several years, over 10,000 people a day coming in and downloading a podcast or uh, interacting with the show. Thank you to everyone who's been a big part of it. So if you want to be a part of today's show, whether it's live or you're catching us afterwards, you can send questions to our guests, to, to me, by using the hashtag Talent Talk. If you can squeeze in the at PeopleG2, because Twitter allows a lot more characters these days so you should be good to go we'd love to get them in there and we keep that conversation going whether it's live or after the fact all right so let's get all the business out of the way let's get to my uh, first uh, talked about the guests here we're gonna have two guests on the show my first guest will be perry timms the founder and chief energy officer at people and transformational hr and my second guest will come in after that commercial break will be ben witter maybe it's witter is it wider but We'll find out. The founder and CEO of World Employee Experience Institute. But uh, as I said, my first guest is Perry. Perry, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. It's really good to be here. So uh, I'm in a bit of a social setting, so hopefully there won't be too much background noise to distract us. But plenty of talent on show here in London tonight. <laughs> well, we can hear it a little bit. So if it gets too rowdy, we'll let you know. Okay. Maybe mute in between uh, responses yeah, and things sure. like that. But uh, when you're talking, it sounds pretty good. Be a big cool. change for us. Sometimes it's that uh, very stale uh, mm -hmm. background, but we have a very lively one for you. But mm. why don't you tell everyone about yourself, what's, mm. what we should know about you in the context of this conversation, of course, your background, mm. and more about you uh, and what you're doing over there at People and transformation, Transformational HR. 
Sure, thanks. So um, uh, I'm in my 15th year in HR and uh, very proud of the profession, really love the work that it does. Um, prior to that, and so for probably about the last 25 plus years, I've been working in transformational change where technology has been a big enabler in that. Um, in the government environment in the UK, I worked in the legal sector, in the court service. Um, so I was a user. I was the kind of person who knew a business process, who would help the technology team to code that process. I would test it um, and then I'd get them ready to make sure it was uh, fit for release. And I'd go train the users um, uh, and I love that I went from you know COBOL system green green screens right through to the very first kind of networks and into web services and so uh, I kind of followed technology's growth I guess you'd say but it was the people bit that really interested me so um, around about 2003 I got the chance to join an HR team um, and worked on a huge integration on a big merger so there was lots of culture and induction activity going on there um, and I found myself leading a learning development team and a function and delivering everything from leadership through to specialist legal stuff. Um, absolutely loved it. And I found myself um, in a position where I could fulfill one of my big um, sort of promises to myself in life that I would continually learn. Um, got into the talent and organization development space. And then around about 2012, I decided to join the sort of freelance army and set up on my own to try and help companies um, really shift uh, their sort of way and perspective on what creates a modern workplace. Um, and I've been doing that for uh, ever since. So uh, a range of clients that I consult with. I do quite a lot of keynote speaking. I write, um, uh, do some advice and coaching and guidance. Uh, just recently tonight, I've come from a panel all to do with uh, women in commercial real estate and the challenges around diversity and inclusion. So I get some really, really broad uh, spectrum uh, of insight. Uh, and my real passion is how we can create a workforce that's a workplace rather that's fit for the 21st century. For, for people who've got lots of passion and energy they want to expend in their work um, rather than the kind of thing where we see a lot of companies misfiring and, and, and putting people through some challenging and tortuous times. Um, so big on design, that's me. Well, that's great. And I know uh, I have this kind of quote from you that changing the world of work one conversation at a time is sort of a motto that you have attached to your company. Can you talk about your how your company is able to do this and make this a, a focus and all that you do? Mm. Uh, well, I guess uh, so. Uh, I, I will shamelessly steal a quote I found from a conference about three years ago where it talked about conversations being the smallest unit of change. And I really liked how that felt. It was literally like we are building ourselves a new world whilst occupying it and running it and being part of it um, and I guess there's something about how we create those conversations to move people's thinking to get them energized towards the right things um, rather than just relying on some huge kind of seismic shift um, I genuinely think the world is made up of millions of interconnected things that are starting to move it in whatever direction so conversations form a part of that I'm also a very sort of anti-sales type person I don't like sales conversations I don't like being sold to but I'll happily have a conversation with somebody who has a new product, a new venture, a new service, and from that conversation might come a purchase or a buy or a partnership. Uh, so I genuinely think we start from a point of let's have a conversation and see where this goes, and then if it goes in the places that are beneficial to both of us, we'll we'll create some kind of commercial deal. So, yeah, I'm 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 a conversationalist in 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 all sorts of ways, and I guess I just wanted to give the impression that I'd love to see the world change in my lifetime, but I recognise it'll be tiny steps. Right. Yeah. The, someone once told me the wheels of change grind very slowly. <laughs> I think that's true. Yeah. Despite what we think about the pace of everything being so uh, hyper fast and, and the scale and exponential curves, I still think what's at the heart of that is hundreds, if not thousands of interconnected activities. I, I totally agree with you on that.
So I think I've in our research we found out you're the world's only certified world blue consultant and coach. Uh, maybe you can verify if that's correct. And can mm. you talk about what that is and what that means? Mm. So World Blue is an extraordinary small outfit that started in um, in uh, Iowa and, and exists as a, I guess you'd say, a showcase and a, an accrediting force behind companies who have, um, I guess you'd say, rewritten their playbook from being something of command and control and dominance and fear-based to being something that's freedom-centered, that's inclusive, that's very democratic and so on. So I was really, really drawn to their call to the world, which is to build a group of companies who can um, provide that kind of uh, experience, I guess you'd say. Um, and so this was 2012, and so I followed World Blue's progress. I got to know the founder, Tracy Fenton. I got to work with Miranda Ash, who's like their sort of key uh, community evangelist. Um, and it's a tiny, tiny organization. And I joined forces with them a couple of years ago where I said, look, I'd really love to help companies become more like this. Um, and so they took me through a process where I had to understand the model, the theory, and the whole game that uh, freedom-centered work, I guess, operates in. Um, and uh, through that process, I was then given the chance to work with companies under that sort of, uh, I guess you'd say, framework. Um, and so a lot of the work I do is influenced pretty heavily by um, by World Blue and by the companies who are members of World Blue, like uh, WD40, Devita Healthcare, Zappos, and uh, Widen, uh, Dreamhost. There's a whole range of companies, lots of them from the US, um, who have all stood for something different. And I'm now friends with a lot of these uh, company owners and, and people in, in those organizations and I've learned so much from them I, I genuinely see them as a kind of beacon of hope that we can create a whole different wave of um, organizations that stand for humanity and um, making good uh, business decisions so yeah that's that's really what that's all about fantastic and there's a there's a lot to unpack there but I know we don't only have a short amount of time here today with you um, I want to make sure we talk about uh, your first book, uh, Transformational mm -hmm. HR, uh, that mm. came out towards the end of 2017. So mm. maybe you can kind of walk us through what the heck is transformational mm. HR and uh, what's important for us to know about the book. We want to check it out. Sure. So, uh, so it is a, a bit of a buzzword. I think it's one of those key things where everybody's involved in some kind of business or, or digital transformation. Um, and I guess when I was thinking about the name of my company, my initials are PT, and I wanted that to be part of the company name. But also, I wanted it to represent the fact that I stand for people in the world of work and to transform both what HR is all about and what work is about. So those two words felt like they fitted quite nicely. Um, and then at the end of 2016, Kogan Page, uh, the publisher, came to me and said, we have a title for a book. We think uh, you could be the author for it, and uh, we'd like to know what your thoughts would be on how this book would look. And I did a proposal, uh, and within it, I got a real sense that I had much more um, drive and leaning towards this concept than even I thought um, possible. So the book really kind of galvanized my mission, I guess you'd say, within HR. So, so what is it? So as a book, um, it actually is a little bit of an almanac of um, HR's past and, and how it's gotten to the point that it is now, so it's present. Um, the models that have influenced it, I guess the reputation that it has, not always good and, and perhaps why, um, but certainly wanting to focus on the things that HR stood for, which has made the world of work a, a more pleasant place for the majority of the working population, um, but then starting to think that, hey, come on, it's 2017 slash 18, there's got to be some new ways that we can cut the um, 
HR uh, sort of cake um, and, and influenced by things like World Blue Companies, I saw a very different version of the, I guess you'd say, people management, people development practices um, and, and wanted to start to bring some of that thinking into the mix for HR. So I guess you'd say I fused the thinking behind things like design thinking, agile, systems thinking, democracy at work, um, uh, sort of self-managed systems, uh, very empowered and inclusive ways of working, autonomy, um, uh, and those sort of things, and, and wanted to bring a, a, a call, I guess, to HR to say, look, the, the systems that we currently deploy in the world of work are often uh, at odds with those things, and these seem to be the things that people are really saying will help them thrive and flourish in the workplace. So, so let's recalibrate. Um, let's put HR into a position where it can help transform organisations. But first, it has to transform itself. It has to think differently and not just become a subservient administrative function, um, that it should have a bit more science behind it, a bit more design, um, and create something that actually people are thankful for um, and not just tolerate. So I really wanted to move the dial, I suppose is the phrase, from HR being a sort of an accepted and you know sometimes uh, criticised part of the corporate function and really push it on to be something where people go, wow, I am glad we have this form of progressive HR and this kind of challenging uh, environment where actually we're building things around people's needs and around what the business and the organization has to have to take it into a very competitive and uncertain future. So it's kind of future-proofing, I guess, is the short phrase. And, and you know, there's a lot of uh, sort of fluff in, in a lot of this uh, terms and culture and things that we do in engagement. Yeah. I mean, I've recently... I was just today judging a panel for best some best places to work in the UK, and I mean, like nine out of ten of these things were just a bunch of fluffy crap that wasn't really anything to do with making employees' lives really better, right? It was mm. we have cake on Tuesdays, and it's like yeah. that doesn't make you yeah. have a good culture. No, <laughs> no totally. I mean, you're right. I mean, to call it sort of fluff and crap is great because that's kind of what it is. It's real platitudes. It's superficial, almost. Um, uh, they're kind of parodies almost of what I guess people would really turn up to work and say that makes a difference to me so um, yeah I see some people desperately trying to create this dynamic funky workplace when actually people are saying I would just rather be treated fairly and have a chance to get some learning uh, at a time that I need it rather than having beer Fridays do you know what I mean I think we're gimmicky in many respects and, and, and I do find myself struggling sometimes with the happiness at work agenda because it seems to have been hijacked by this kind of faux joy celebration of uh, you know anything and it's like whoa come on people people have serious needs from the workplace it's a place of safety a place of learning a place of camaraderie a place of opportunity and a place of development uh, and I genuinely look at my career in the world of work and think there are things that I know about myself now only because work has given me the chance to experience things grow develop become more self-aware socially conscious um, and so those are the things that genuinely they sound a bit serious but they're what they're what, what people kind of think wow that's how I make a difference um, so I'm with you I, I think let's rule out some of this real gimmicky fluff uh, and let's go at the heart of what brings people to life um, and, and to quote Howard Thurman an American philosopher uh, you know don't ask what the world needs ask what brings people to life because what the world needs is more people who've been brought to life that's the kind of philosophy I work to now yeah and I noticed that um, you know sometimes you can get a group of people together that are so similar that the culture just works, right? And what they yeah. need and what they want just seems to click. Um, yeah. As those people change, as you get bigger, as the demands change, you suddenly find there's these differences. So, you know, you mentioned um, being treated fairly, and 
for some people mm. that's super important and for other people it's autonomy for other people it's yeah. um that they're esteem that they're being recognized right and so mm. I, often i think companies miss the beat by trying by making sure that they are hitting multiple areas because it's yeah. not all one thing for one employee group Mm -hmm. um and and yeah. to, that's why you have to go back and talk to your staff and have to continue mm -hmm. to have this conversation and mm. you don't get just to have it once right you don't do one mm. survey and have one conversation magically you know what the answer is because the answer today is probably different in six months or in a year or whatever it may be as your organization grows and changes um did you kind of get into any of that into your book as far how you I deal did. with that change yeah, I do. And you're so right. I mean, you've picked on a number of different things there that actually appear in different guises within the book. And for a start, I talk about the paradox of pluralized priority, which is where, you know, HR will often say, well, of course, you know, this is a priority. Oh, but so is this. Oh, but so is this. And, and sometimes the, the business uh, leaders will also give um, HR so, so many conflicting priorities that nothing becomes a priority. So I genuinely wanted to try and get HR to sort of re-baseline and go, what is the priority that this company uh, needs to talk about when it's, uh, you know, the employee value proposition or the way we treat people and so on. So I, I guess we need to be a little bit more laser precision on that kind of thing. Um, and then I think we need to start thinking about what what is it that we can do to support people to enable them to uh, be of their best. So, you know, do their best work, um, uh, you know, have their most um, sharing moment with uh, their colleagues and support them at times of need and so on. So I'm, I'm inspired by companies like Barry Waymiller who um, create a, a huge sense of family and belonging and fairness um, and, and I'm also sort of inspired by uh, some of the stories I'm hearing from Europe like uh, the nursing organization Burtzorg which is very self-managed it's human-centered it's back to nursing not bureaucracy and so so I think you're right in how we can um, design in some of those factors we we cut through some of the crap we stop talking in platitudes and we genuinely get to the heart and thrust of what's important to people and that means there's a dialogue between people and I don't like to use the organization. I guess I'll say people in leadership positions who make decisions. Because um, in the book, I, I sort of hat tip to Yuval Noah Harari's view that organizations are fictions. They're not real. They're just constructs where people come together to act as an intermediary um, to service other people with a need or a, a service. So it's people talking to people. But when we talk about organizational culture, we're talking about a thing that belongs to an in inanimate object. And it's made up of all these conversations. It's made people allowing certain behaviors not checking in certain things not adjusting not trying to improve each other being competitive with their own colleagues and so I'm trying to get to the heart where HR can stop putting rules in that creates an infanticized version of a workplace but an adult one where people are in discussion shape uh, and influence it and since writing the book a couple of clients have come to me and said we, we quite like this adult environment that you're starting to talk about and we think that we'd like to create that within HR um, and beyond so I've been working with companies to create almost like a people strategy that calls into action the whole of the organization to, to say well we'll create the frame um, we want you to deliver it with us so people are involved in shaping HR policies and processes that are perhaps quite light touch that are very human that are very purposeful uh, and instead of HR trying to cook it up and appeal to everybody, uh, people are starting to do what's right for them in their area, and HR just acts as a kind of guide and an arbiter, um, and bring that thing to some kind of alignment and cohesion, because I think 
if we if we feel like we let go too too much, uh, we have chaos and nothing's lined up. So there's a happy medium, I think, between uh, an aligned and autonomous approach, which I'm starting to see proven in a number of different organizations. So that's what I'm hoping to bring in off the back of the book. It's awakening that sense of adult accountability and, and, and collective responsibility. So, I mean, obviously, culture is a very much a centerpiece here of what we're talking about and throughout your book and the work that you're doing. Uh, maybe how are you specifically helping organizations really manage that um, that culture shift, um, you know, as they identify that? So they say they want to, to do something or maybe help them identify that. But how do you actually get them into that change yeah. mode? So I, I normally get brought in in either two ways. I get brought in by an HR team to work with them to respond perhaps to a bigger organization transformation. So what I'm trying to do there, I guess, is align the espoused and aspired culture and, and way of working with what HR's current mechanism is and, and approach and just make sure that there's a, a shift towards that more, um, I don't know, maybe entrepreneurial, creative, uh, liberated, whatever it is. So that is helping HR, I guess, transition to where the organization's going. That's one kind of request that I get um, brought in to do. The other one is to work with an HR team to act in a more catalytic sense so that they're creating the restlessness and the change and the movement um, because they've sensed that what's keeping the organization from further success or putting it in jeopardy is it hasn't responded, it isn't agile, it's not creative enough, it's getting outdone by its competitors, it's losing talent to other organizations because the conditions and the way the work is done is just not right. So so that's where HR is trying to um, I guess, be influential in shaping the organization agenda. So react or shape. Um, and my approach is um, obviously a, a slightly different depending on, on where that's all coming from and how it's going to be put together. But uh, I'm genuinely there to help HR just get a real strong capability, confidence and influence lift so that I can feel like I've, I've given them the sense that they can carry this journey on beyond me helping them out. So I don't want to stick around with an organization for months on end. If I can spend a few months with them to build their capability, belief and systems, um, then let them nurture them and guide them and adapt them to their environment. And I'll kind of come in and help them as an independent evaluator on the impact they've made and what adjustments they might need to um, to put into place. So I guess I am the catalytic type of consultant uh, rather than the sort of long tail all the way through kind of consultant. Um, and, I, and I sense my clients quite like the fact that I'm leaving them in a stronger position rather than dependent on some external expertise. Um, and, and I see that sustain and I'm working with a local council up in the northwest of it who just won an award for digital council um, in, in the UK and, and a lot of their traction in that um, uh, movement towards being more digital has come from the fact that HR has grabbed the inclusivity, accountability and, and, and I guess you'd say rapid prototyping agenda that I've helped them build um, and as a result they've got some um, early results on that one so that's really gratifying to me. Um, the HR can not just be this responsive administrator, but this really quite powerful change creator. Well, Perry, we've covered so much today, and I really appreciate you being on the show and sharing your wisdom and, and thoughts here. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more, if they want to work with you, they want to find your book? What's the best way for them to figure all that out? 
So, uh, so I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn, um, and uh, I've got my website, and uh, the book is available on Kogan Page's website and on Amazon.com. Um, I'm not difficult to find. I've got quite a bit of YouTube presence out there. I, I speak quite regularly about things that I'm really interested in. So, yeah, people can, can jump on those platforms and find me. Um, I, I, I do quite a lot of uh, tour in, uh, and speaking around Europe. Um, I'd happy come over to the US, so if anybody wanted me to come <laughs> over, I'd quite happy to do that. It's funny. Um, I say the same thing about Europe. So I'm going to be. Ah, we, we could do an exchange. Do an ex- yeah, we'll be like exchange speakers. Yeah, I'm going to be in Amsterdam in November. And I'm excited. So nice. Oh, yeah. cool. I'll pick you up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. And, um, yeah, my, my approach is literally conversational. Um, so I love to help people get their thinking straight. And if they want to engage me, then, hey, I mean, I love a good challenge and I love working with HR people. Well, fantastic. Thanks again so much for joining us. Hopefully, we have you come back and give us some more of your awesome wisdom. Uh, but until then, uh, we'll come right back after this quick commercial break. We'll bring in my second guest, Ben Witter. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Talent Talk Radio Show. Unfortunately, we're having a little bit of a technical uh, difficulties here. We're not able to get in. We have Ben Wider onto the phone uh, here today. He's calling in from the UK, but for some reason, every once in a while, uh, Skype and technology just don't work out. So we will certainly work to get him back on the show, uh, get our technical difficulties or his technical issues uh, fixed. And we apologize for anyone who tuned in to hear him today. Uh, sometimes life just throws you lemons and you just have to give up and go downstairs and have lemonade, I guess. So anyways, um, thank you everyone for who tuned in, uh, go to talenttalkradio.com. If you want to hear past shows, our iTunes, iHeartRadio. Um, next week we'll have a best of show. I will be hopefully at the top of Mount Fuji hiking in Japan. So, uh, next week we will be off, but we'll be back after that. And thank you everyone who tuned in and, uh, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.